Well, hello, sons, and hello, brothers, and hello, everybody else that listens to stuff I want to say. Most of the men, I'm Ken Pierpont. It's time for our, our man podcast. We're, we're going to talk today about how to walk in the Spirit, how to learn to walk in the Spirit. We talked about this a couple of podcasts ago, and then the last one was a Christmas podcast about peace at home. But we're going to go back into this, give you more detail on what does it mean to, to walk in the Spirit and what I want to do is I want to give you some examples of what it's like to walk in the Spirit. And I want to make it plain and clear and practical. So understand this. To walk in the Spirit is to continually obey the impulses or instructions of the Spirit in the power of the Spirit, using the fruit of the Spirit. I'm sorry. Using the gifts of the Spirit, which produces the fruit of the Spirit. Let me say it again right Walking in the Spirit is continually, it's the walking part, obeying the impulses or instructions of the Spirit, using the gifts of the Spirit in the power of the Spirit, which brings the fruit of the Holy Spirit. So the Scriptures have, God's given us the Scriptures, and they are to be obeyed, but they can only be obeyed in the power of the Holy Spirit by a regenerate person, a person who has spiritual life imparted to them as salvation. So a man can walk in the Spirit. A man can obey the instructions of the Spirit. This is uh, in Romans 6 called that form of doctrine which was once delivered to you. You could say the, the Old Testament, the New Testament, the teaching of the Bible. The Bible rightly understood the, instruction, the instructions, the warnings, the um, encouragements, the laws of the Scripture, the commands of Christ and the commands of the scripture are to be obeyed. And the, those are instructions from the Lord. So we continually obey them. When we continually obey them in the, using the, in the power of the Holy Spirit and using the gifts of the Spirit, we, it produces the, the fruit God produces. The Spirit produces fruit in us, which is described in Galatians in chapter 5. And so what I'm teaching here is from Ephesians, it's from the Pauline letters, it's from Romans 6 through 8, it's from uh, Galatians 5 and other places in Scripture. But it's, it's key, it's important to understand that the other, the other um, element in walking the Spirit can be obeying not just the instruction of the Spirit, but the instruction of the Spirit at the impulse of the Spirit, or the instructions of the Word at the impulse of the Spirit. Here's another way of saying that. If I, if we were to say, you can't be holy without a, the Holy Spirit, that's true. How does the Holy Spirit help us? Well, the Holy Spirit empowers us, but He does more than that. The Holy Spirit is within us. He indwells us. He g- gives us spiritual impulses or desires uh, to do what's right and empowers us to do what's right. So a man wants to learn to be sensitive to the impulses that come from the Spirit, which agree with the instructions that the Spirit's given in the Word. So you want to understand that when you have an impulse to obey a biblical command or a biblical instruction or a biblical principle, you 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 want to explore that the timing of that is God the Holy Spirit moving you 
to obey for for this particular time? Is there what is God up to something and wants to involve you in it? If you think about this, God is always doing something all around you. And if you are a spiritually sensitive man, you can be engaged in, involved in what the spirit is doing around you. Wouldn't you want to do that? Wouldn't you? And think about it like this. You know you have impulses from the flesh all the time. So do I. And we have this in the scriptures in Romans. It's called the indwelling sin. Even believers have impulses that are not right. They're not good. Well, if the Holy Spirit dwells in us, if we are possessed by the Holy Spirit, then of course the Spirit will also frequently be giving us impulses to do what's right. And when a man regularly obeys those impulses in the power of the Holy Spirit, using the gifts of the Holy Spirit, then the Spirit produces fruit in his life, and that fruit is good. And the opposite is true, and this is taught in Romans 6, it's taught in Romans 8, it's taught in Galatians 5. When a man is in the flesh, and he obeys the impulses of the flesh and the power of the flesh, then he has the fruit of the flesh, if you will, the works of the flesh. But if you want your life to be filled with the fruit of the Holy Spirit, use your spiritual gifts to obey the impulses and the instructions of the Spirit. And let me give you some, some examples of that. Um, I went to make a hospital call one day, and I prayed before I went, Lord, guide me today. Send me where you want me to go. I'll say what you want me to say. I'll do what you want me to do. When I finished my hospital call, I repeated the prayer. It was starting to rain. I ran to the car, got in, driving to the church, thinking that's a rainy day. I'll go buckle up in my study and I'll uh, I'll study today. And at the last minute, I went down a side street rather than going to the main road. I, I cut through a side street. I looked up ahead and, it, and the rain was just pouring down. There was an older man walking and there was a puddle of surface water. And my, the junior high guy in me wanted to spray him with the water, but I thought, well, I better not do that. Instead, I slowed down and rolled my window down to offer him a ride. He turned and looked at me, and when he looked at me, I realized it was a parishioner from our church, a man named Cliff Imhoff. He says, Pastor, what are you doing here today? I said, I'm offering you a ride. What are you doing? He said, I locked my keys in my car at McDonald's. I got caught in the rain. I was just praying somebody would come along. Listen, I believe the Holy Spirit gave me the impulse to turn down that street, the impulse to not to spray him with water, that was probably the flesh, but to offer him a ride. And God was at work in getting Cliff a ride that day. It's a beautiful example of what it might look like to walk in the Spirit. I heard once of a man that went to church and he was singing and he and he had, uh, he had an impulse to give the woman that was singing, I think across the aisle or a few rows ahead of him, he's watching her and he felt like the Spirit gave him an impulse to give her that the Spirit told him, give her all the money in your wallet. Well, he looked at his wallet, and it was $7, and he thought, well, that's silly. Who, you know, what, what would, Why would that be useful? But he felt a strong impression, give her $7. So when the service was over, he went over to her, and he said, you know, I while we were singing, I just felt like the Spirit told me to give you all the money in my wallet, and what I have is $7. She began to weep. He said, what's, what's wrong? She said, you know, I'm a single mom. I don't have any extra money. I wasn't going to go to church today because I don't have the gas. And, and I thought, you know, it's, it, the, the cost of gas to go to church and back is about $7. I went and God gave me $7. I believe he was walking in the spirit. It doesn't always look like that. Can be, We don't always know. But my goodness, it's exciting to think God is at work all around us. And he's looking for people who are willing to obey. 
to obey the impulses of the Spirit, to obey the instruction of Jesus in the Bible. The Scriptures say in the book of John that Jesus is, when Jesus goes away, he's going to send the Spirit. The Spirit's going to remind us of, to obey the things that Jesus taught. Um, I, I, I had a friend, we were sitting on a porch in Kentucky, we were talking about these times when we felt like the Lord had given us kind of special direction or impulses. They don't rise to the level of Scripture, but they're sweet. Um, and when you look back over your life, you just see the guidance. All Christians believe this, the guidance of God, that God guides us in certain ways to say certain things at certain times. And it's delightful when we see it, when we get to heaven, I think we'll see a lot more of it, some way we may never know. And we just obey. But this uh, brother was, and here's how the story goes. He and his son, I think his son was a graduate of a Bible college, and they, he was moving out west, and they were going to ride together, and they on the way out, they smoked a cigar. His son talked him into smoking a cigar. He wasn't used to smoking a cigar. So when he got there, he was really, really sick. And the night he got up from the hotel room, he went to the all-night drugstore. And when he walked in, there was a girl that was a young woman working there. And he, he bought some antacid or something. And she looked like she was discouraged. And so he said, can I just share something with you? And she said, sure. And he quoted a Bible verse. And when he did... She just began to weep, and he said, what's wrong? And she said, earlier tonight, he says, I'm so discouraged, I'm so depressed, and I was thinking about my grandmother. My grandmother died, and I was trying to remember the Bible verse that she always quoted to me, and I couldn't remember it. And then you came in, and then you quoted that verse. i, I tell you what I think. I think God was at work, even in that cigar-smoking guy, that the Holy Spirit was at work, and he obeyed the impulse of the Holy Spirit to share that Bible verse with that girl that night. And that God was at work in that. The Bible says in Romans 8 and verse 4, the righteous requirement of the law is fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. When you walk in the Spirit, then the Scriptures are saying the righteous requirement of the law is fulfilled. And so Christians are still expected to obey in the spirit the moral law um, the timeless moral law and we do that not just in our own effort but in our effort combined with god's power giving us the impulse at the right time and empowering us and giving us a spiritual gifting to do what it is he's asked us to do and so we're instructed in romans 8 and 4 to walk in the Spirit and to live according to the Spirit. And those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. Those who live according to the flesh set their mind on the things of the flesh. Gentlemen, you got a choice. You can live your life following God, obeying the impulses of the Spirit, doing it over and over again until it's habitual and you're a Spirit-filled man, a Spirit-guided, a Spirit-directed, a Spirit-used man. Or you can just keep getting beat up by the works of the flesh and continually yield to the flesh. And the fruit of that is the works of the flesh. And that's ugliness if you read it there in Galatians chapter 5. I, uh, uh, but the, the scriptures say, Jesus said, My sheep hear my voice and they follow me. My sheep hear my voice and they follow me. Just... Uh, it, just grab your Bible, unless you're driving or working on something and you can't do it, then grab your Bible. Uh, if you can't do that, just listen as I read to you from the Scriptures. In Galatians in chapter 5, 
I want to read to you from verse 16. Listen to what the scripture says. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. The Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. Those two forces are constantly fighting each other so that you are not free to carry out your good intentions. But when you are directed by the Spirit, you are not under obligation to the law of Moses. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Here are the works of the flesh, right? Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outburst of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. That's the works of the flesh. That's what it's like to continually obey the impulses of the flesh. But listen to this. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There's no, no law against these things. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Let's not become conceited or provoke one another or be jealous of one another. I just read to you from Galatians 5, 16-25. In the New Living Translation, I normally use the ESV. Some of you are familiar with that, or the King James, or the New King James. I thought that might give you a little bit of a fresh perspective. I just would think, what, what, what wise, godly, thoughtful, thinking man would not want to live, to walk continually in the Spirit and enjoy direction from the Lord? and enjoy being used of the Lord and knowing what God is doing and being a part of it. I uh, heard a story once about a pastor, uh, Pastor Clapper, who uh, was a pastor in South Bend, Indiana, and he was an avid hiker. He was a through hiker of the Appalachian Trail. And he influenced uh, uh, my cousin Dave, to to th- indirectly through a guy that um, he met on the trail. So this Pastor Clapper met a guy on the trail, eventually led him to the Lord. He, his life changed. That influenced my cousin, who had really not been walking with the Lord, to begin to go to Pastor Clapper's church. Did you track with that story? I kind of butchered that. But anyway, again, so my cousin Dave works for a guy who's not a Christian. The guy hikes the Appalachian Trail meets Pastor Clapper, meets him actually in two different trails. God arranges for them to meet. And Pastor Clapper is faithful to witness to him. And the guy comes to his church, gets saved, and his life is so changed that my cousin who works for him says, I got to go check out that church. My, my cousin then has a revival in his life. As a result of that, Pastor Clapper was quite literally walking in the spirit, hiking in the spirit, this, the, you should ask me if we ever get together, buy me coffee, and ask me the long version of that story. It's just an amazing story, but it's just simply a story of a, of a man, a, a faithful man, who was walking in the spirit, was tender to tender-hearted toward God, eager to listen to what the spirit had to say, obedient, continually obedient to the impulses of of the Holy Spirit. 
I was at a conference that was the um, conference, the basics conference for pastors at Parkside Church, uh, where Alistair Begg is the pastor a few years ago. And I looked and there was Pastor Clapper. I'd read his book. I, I introduced myself to him. What a what a neat thing to think that God could use you. God could use me and will use me and you in our lives because he's at work where you live and he's at work in your family and he's at work at your work and in your school and in your church. But we can just walk in the flesh and ignore all the opportunities that we could have to live in the spirit and have what an exciting life. My um, great uncle Art told me a story, a testimony once of driving across the country from New York and the Finger Lakes region of New York all the way to up the Alcan Highway into Alaska to deliver some stuff for a Christian school that I think his son was involved in. It was his son involved. And he got up on the Alcan Highway and he said one morning he got delayed and he was wondering why the Lord allowed the delay because he hadn't had delays. It felt like the Lord was um, just going before him and helping him get where he needed to go and do what he needed to do. And one particular morning, he had this delay, and he just sensed from the Lord that the Lord was doing something. And he said, okay, Lord, what are you up to? And he said he no longer got that prayer out of his mouth that he topped a rise on, on the road on the Alcan Highway, and there was an airplane sitting in the road. And I tell the story in my book for a few days. You can actually listen to the entire book. For a few days, I read it into audio, into podcasts on my other podcast called Stories from Bittersweet Farm. Um, and I read, I think, two full books of mine into that podcast, three, uh, one short book, two long books, and a whole bunch of others, hundreds of stories. Um, anyway, this is one of them, the, the, the full version's there, but, but I'm just telling you today, he gets out of his van, walks up, and he says to me, what do you think the chances are that I would know the pilot of the plane that, that made an emergency landing on the Alcan Highway? And the guy turns around and says, Art Pierpont, what are you doing here? God arranged for my uncle Art to give the fellow that was taking two young women up there to the Christian school and had and had the propeller fail and had to do an emergency landing. So Uncle Art ends up driving the girls up there, just takes their stuff and puts it in his van and drives the girls up and delivers them safely. And he has an adventure on the way. He tells me all kinds of details to get those details. You'll have to read my book or listen to my book for free. Uh, on um, uh, on the uh, stories from Bittersweet Farm podcast, it, my uncle Art was describing walking in the Spirit. He's not dri- he was actually driving under the influence of the Holy Spirit. That's what he was doing. Interesting. What's God doing all around you? I was down in my chair and I was having a bite of lunch today. And we live out in the country. It's quiet. It's very peaceful. Very quiet. Very peaceful. Very little ever happens out here. And there was some noise and some commotion. And I looked out and there was a car in our, we have a teardrop drive. It's a, it's a concrete teardrop drive. And there was a car backed into our drive in a, in a, in a pit, in a, um, a tow truck. I walked down and I thought, well, that's odd. They, they're on our property there. And I thought, well, I'll go out and befriend them. And they're obviously having trouble. So I walked out and I said, hey, can I help you? And the guy goes, no, yeah, I'm, I'm okay. I, I got picked up for going 45 and a 35 or something. And he said, I don't have a license, so they're towing my car. Well, I told him, I said, do you need a ride? No, he said, I got a ride. I said, if I can help you, let me know. Now, I don't know. That story isn't over, but I just suppose God's doing something. I went to the grocery store to get a can of soup for lunch. 
And um, when I go to the grocery store, a lot of times what I do, not a, not a lot, every once in a while, what I'll do is I'll say to the person that's checking me out, what's your favorite candy bar? They tell me I buy their favorite candy bar, tell them to have a good day. The lady that was there was a believer, and we just had a wonderful conversation about the things of the Lord. And then I walked to the car. What was God doing? I don't know. Maybe someday we'll find out that it was really significant. Maybe we'll find out someday it really wasn't that significant. But we don't know, but we obey the impulses that we have that when they're, especially when we know they're consistent with the scripture, when it's just obeying the Bible. But God can prompt us to obey biblical commands with, with divine split-second timing to coincide with what God is doing. And to me, that's very, very exciting um, over and over again. Uh, in in my own life, and I think I've probably missed an awful lot. I've had experiences where I ha- had a sense that God was going to do something. I'll tell you what I do. When I have that sense that God is reminding me of something in Scripture or giving me the impression to do something, I write it down because I'm going to look back later and see if God was at work in it. Sometimes it's clear that he was. Sometimes he was, and I don't know, I suppose. And we'll find out maybe in eternity. I remember once had the clearest impulse. I thought, I will never sell my red Jeep. I drove on the, the red Jeep journey. If you don't know that story, that's in my book, Finding Bittersweet. And it's an amazing story. It's an absolutely amazing story. And Lois bought me that Jeep, and I thought, I will never sell it. But one time, one summer, I felt a strong impulse from the Lord. I can tell you exactly where I was, where I, where I was sitting, when, and what I was looking at on when, when I felt the Lord told me, sell that Jeep, take the money, give it to Lois for her to, put, uh, for her to use for the hardwood floors in the, in the, in the house. Um, and I did that. And it was delightful. And we have beautiful hardwood, hickory hardwood floors all throughout the house. And we could, and I remember getting that money from that guy. His name was Dallas. And I handed it, walked over the porch, handed it to Lois. She sweetly looked at me. No, you don't have to do that. I go, no, I want you to use it for the hickory floors for the house. And she was very tenderhearted. But she'd given me that car. But I felt, I don't feel like that was just my idea. I'm not sure, but I feel like the Spirit prompted me. And when you get that sense of a prompting, something that you can do that's consistent with Scripture, you probably ought to do it just to make sure you didn't disobey the Lord. To me, it wouldn't have been obeying the Lord. One time, a preacher came to our church, and uh, let's see, his name was Cam Wolford, and he was in Ecuador. Uh, um, He's doing missionary training of pastors. And he said that pastors in Ecuador don't often have the opportunity to go to Bible college. So much of their training they get through shortwave radio. Well, when he said that, I was like a, like it, I was on high alert because I have as beautiful, I had a beautiful shortwave radio set that I really liked a lot. I'd, it was a, kind of valuable and I'd gotten it at a discount and I was, I just cheered, I loved it. I was a, it was one of my favorite things, and and um, it was there in my bedroom, and I, and I used it, you know, mostly <laughs> to listen to the weather. But when he said that, I felt like the Spirit told me to give it to him. And immediately, if I'd have kept that, it wouldn't have been obedient to the Lord. I wouldn't have had the joy. I just immediately felt like the Lord. It was a sense that I had that the Lord told me to give that to him. I don't have a follow-up story on that. But I just got to wonder if someday when we get to be with the Lord, some pastor in Ecuador is going to say, you know, who knows, who knows, the Lord will say, hey, you see this guy? 
You know, where he came to know the Lord because he he listened to that radio or, or he started church or whatever. You know, who knows? God's up to stuff. And he's at work all the time throughout the world. And he'll involve us if we will be tender and live in obedience to the Holy Spirit. Um, I want to admit my sinfulness. I want to be justified by faith. And I want to walk in the Spirit. I want to set my mind on the things of the Spirit. I want to be led of the Spirit. I don't want to be led of the flesh. One day, it was a Monday. I remember this specifically. It was a Monday. And uh, so normally Monday's my day off and I do, you know, chores or or kind of like um, I do uh, Sabbath-like things, restful things, maybe read a book that I want to read. Or sometimes I do a little bit of work. But in this particular day, I remember I was down in the basement where my clothes were, the house where we lived. And I had discovered that when you have a sweater that you like and it pills up, that you can take a razor and you can actually shave the pills off of it. So I was downstairs with an ironing board under the light, shaving my sweater when I had an impulse to go visit a guy in the rest home. I didn't really want to go. I kind of, it's almost like I argued with the Lord. Well, you know, in my mind, I thought, well, I can go tomorrow. I'm going to be working tomorrow. And I felt like the Lord said, just go right now. So I thought, well, okay. So the rest home was not too far away. I just walked upstairs. Lois was talking to one of the girls in the front room. And I just walked through and said, hey, I'll be right back. I got a nudge from the judge. I walked off the porch and I thought to myself, what in the world did I say nudge from the judge? That was the silliest thing. But what I was trying to say was I had a sense that I had an impulse from the Lord to go do that. And I should obey that. So the the short version of this story is when I got there, that guy was eager to hear the gospel. He was literally up in the night thinking about how he could know for sure that he would be with his wife when he died, who he knew to be a Christian. And I led that man to the Lord. He was so eager that day. And and it was uh, better than shaving my sweater. One day, <clears throat> excuse me, and one day um, I was sitting in under a tree in the front yard. This wasn't terribly long ago. I guess now it's been six, seven years, six years, six and a half years. I sat under a tree in the front yard reading. Um, and um, I was thinking, um, I was actually... I was actually talking to a friend named Tom Hansborough. And uh, we were talking about my travels in the red Jeep. And I felt the Lord had told me that I need to be willing to lay down my life, um, to do whatever he asked, including even if it means it costs my life, but I, that I should be willing to lay down my life. Um, while I was sitting there under that shade tree, and I had just told Tom that, uh, Jim Schuster, an old friend, uh, actually he's a middle-aged friend, he's younger than me, but he's a friend of Bob, uh, he's been a friend for a while. He drives up in his car, had never come to my house before, dri- drives up in his car, walks over with a box. It was a box that it contained two books that his mother wanted me to read. And she handed them to me and he walked away and I opened the one book and it said exactly what I had just told Tom, you gotta be willing to die. Almost like the Lord had confirmed that thing that I said to him immediately by bringing me a book that showed the same truth in the scriptures. I think God was at work in that. One day, I was praying for our son Chuck. He was a youth pastor at the time up in Door County, Wisconsin. And I just felt a strong impulse to pray for him. I pulled his picture off the wall and I stood by my file cabinet and I prayed for him. 
And it was just such a strong, heavy feeling that I needed to pray for him that it made me wonder if he is going through something that he needed something. And so after I finished praying, I phoned him and I, and I just said to him, Chuck, why do, why is it that I'm getting an impression in my heart that your hands are shaking right now? And he said, what? I said, he, he said, are, you, are your hands shaking? He goes, no, no, but that's really odd because my hands shook all day yesterday. I go, you're kidding. Why do you think? He goes, I think I took too much cold medication. I'm like, I don't know what that was all about. But I do know that I had an impulse to pray for him. When I, and I had, a, I had a sense that his hands were shaking. And when I called, immediately thought he was surprised, surprised that I knew that his hands were shaking. Now, I, I don't know what to make of that, except this. I believe God is at work. And he wants us to be connected with him. He wants us to be sensitive to the impulses of the Spirit and certainly obedient to the instructions of the Spirit um, because he wants us to know he's a living God and we serve a living God and we can walk with him. It doesn't mean that we'll have these things happen every day. I don't know that they will. It, I think most of the time we just simply obey the Bible and trust him that he's at work and he'll show us someday. But I think what he does is he leaves some breadcrumbs along the way for us. And he helps us every once in a while to just have the sweetness of something happening like that, that we realize he's at work in our life. One morning, I, I want to talk with my friend, Tom Harmon. And I thought, man, I had to call Tom and just have some fellowship with him because I love doing that. And I thought, nah, you know, he's a beloved guy. I'm sure a lot of people want to talk to him all the time. So I won't call him. I didn't call him. I walked in my study. I laid my phone down the desk. As soon as I did, it rang. I looked down. Guess who was calling? Tom Harmon. We hadn't spoken for months. But in the very moment that I thought about calling him, God prompted him to call me. Don't tell me that God wasn't at work. The next testimony is one that's just almost too sacred to tell. Uh, sometimes, once God gave me just a sense about the kind of guy, and, and I just to give you all the detail of this is... It's just almost too sacred to go into. I've done it before, and I won't do it right now, but I but I was praying with our daughter Holly years ago, and she was especially exercised, especially burdened about. And she felt like she was getting older. She's unmarried. She wanted to marry, bear children, have a family, be a Christian mom and wife and wife and mother. And yet the guys that were coming along weren't either she wasn't really interested in them or they weren't interested in her or they were immature spiritually. They were just things. And I began to pray and we can, Lois and I continually prayed. But when I was praying, I had a sense of a number of things, four or five different specific things about the guy that would come for her. And all of these things, four or five of them were specifically answered. And again, Sometime, if you're interested in the whole story, I can tell you, it's just almost too sacred to tell. But we had the privilege of performing that wedding with Jesse, is his name, the, the man she married. They have three children now. His dad is a pastor. His dad and I performed the wedding together. And, and we just gave glory to God about how he had put these two together and how he had given even impulses about specifics about that. Um, God showed me one day while I was breaking a fast and reading my scripture, reading the, the book of Acts real early in the morning. God, I had an impulse from the Lord that all four of our daughters would prophesy one day. They would, they would speak truth about truth about God publicly. 
And, and that happened in the most remarkable way uh, in a number of times, but specifically at the Pacific Garden Mission, not long after that, all four of them, I think maybe the, the oldest three, maybe Hope hadn't at that time because she's little, but since then, of course, she has many times testified of her love for the Lord. And God showed me that when I was reading through the book of Acts and noticed that Philip had four daughters who prophesied. And I compare that with Acts 2 where it says young men and women will prophesy, maid servants will prophesy, they'll speak truth about God. And this came to fulfillment in, in my life. Years ago, I was pastoring in Ohio and it was very young and it was a farm community. And it was, and you can look this up, it was in the summer of 1987. There was a terrible long drought in dark, let's see, no, I'm sorry, that was not dark county. That would have been, um, uh, that would have been Mount Vernon, Ohio. And for some reason, that, that county is slipping my mind right now. Not dark county, Mercer County. Well, I'll think of it. Anyway, it's the county where Mount Vernon is. And I can't even believe it. Oh, Knox County, of course. Not in Knox County, Ohio. In the summer of 1987, there was a summer-long drought. And one Sunday, I felt led of the Lord to have the congregation sing Showers of Blessings, which could have backfired on me pretty badly. But And I remember that we had a big window that we had a big, big, beautiful uh, stained glass window, but the lower part of it, would you could raise it up a little bit which does seem like a really bad idea to me. But anyway, I remember that was raised up a little bit and the back doors were standing open. And when we announced that song, began to sing it, showers came, steady, beautiful showers, just shout, just the, the drought broke and the rain came while we were singing that song in the summer of 1987. One time Lois and I were going through a difficulty and we had sought some help. A fellow had been praying for us and we, we sought counsel from a from a from a trusted friend who was very helpful to us and it happened to be at 10 o'clock in the morning and i think it was february maybe february 4th 19 sticks in my mind i could look this up but that particular morning i remember the appointment was at 10 o'clock and god gave us a beautiful breakthrough in our relationship and a great help it still goes on to this very day god did something and I remember that when I went back to church, this fellow that had been praying for us, his name was Bill Thompson. Bill says, Ken, what happened Thursday at 10 o'clock? I go, why would you say that? And he goes, because I was driving my truck and I felt like the Spirit told me to pull over and pray for Ken right now. That was the very time when we were meeting with that counselor or with that helper and that Christian leader. And he was helping us walk through that, that incident. One, one uh, night I had a dream. And in my dream was the face of a a woman I knew. I couldn't have told you if you asked me before that dream, the color of her eyes. But in the dream, it was really clear. I thought, well, that's really odd that this woman would appear in my dream. That was on a Monday morning. I went to Meyer. When I got to Meyer, I went around the corner on an aisle. And that woman was standing right there. And I believe that God wanted me to set up a meeting with her son in order to um, help him spiritually. And we and I went, went around the corner and looked at her face. Sure enough, it was the woman that I had thought about. I thought that was really odd. I told her, "The Lord put you on my mind." I had breakfast with her boy, tried to be a help to him, 
but I felt like the Lord had guided me in that. Once I was in Ann Arbor and we were going to a bookstore and we were going to go eat at Chipotle first or Qdoba, whichever, Qdoba, I guess. And before we ate, I ducked in the men's room. And when I got into the men's room, I realized that it uh, that we were two guys in the room, but it was kind of a one-man deal. And so I, I thought it was kind of odd. The guy was over there, tattoos, ponytail, big, it looked like a biker guy or something. And I'm like, oh, that's odd. So uncomfortable, sort of awkward. So I, I leave. And when the guy walks out, he looks up at me and he goes, Ken Pierpont, right? And I go, yeah. And he goes, I'm Brian. And it was the brother of a woman in our church. To she had been praying for him, and and we had, and so I showed interest in him. And he was a really interesting, sweet guy. And for a number of times, I had ministry with Brian, and Brian showed kindness to me because the Lord caused us to bump into each other. It could have been a coincidence, but I don't think so. I think that's the providence of God. I don't think there are coincidences. And that wasn't a coincidence. Um, I could tell you many more examples but the danger is that rather than just obeying the scriptures continuously and obeying the 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 impulses like um dr george sweeting said when i was at moody he was the president of moody and he said never resist a generous impulse as a truism that's great when god gives you an impulse that's connected that that is consistent with scripture you should probably obey it um and 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 uh it may be that god is giving you special impulse of special guidance. Now, now, some very good people don't that I have a lot of confidence in. We don't see eye to eye on this. So I think it should be, you should be very cautious, but here's what you should, you should be cautious that you just don't go around doing things and then blaming God. But on the other hand, you should be very cautious that it's like there is no living God for you. And he never gives you impulses to do anything. And you don't have a sense of the reality of the living God, a sense that he's guiding you day by day, a sense that he's actively at work in your life. That's like a form of religion that's lifeless. And um, I read, uh, millions have been blessed by the writing of Jerry Bridges. And he wrote a book, a little book toward the end of his life. And I'm kind of being irresponsible here because I can't tell you the exact name of the book right now. Um, it has to do with the providence of God. It's a little testimonial book where he says a similar thing to what I'm saying to you right now. He says, um, he says, the people that I trust the most are really very cautious about this impulse thing. Um, and, and, but when I look back on my life, I see a series of, of unusual providential arrangements of God. So almost, so the more charismatic-leaning brethren are going to say, God told me this, God told me that, and one should be cautious. Especially that should never rise to the level of Scripture. But then the then the cessationist, the non-charismatic, is going to be more likely to say, well, just obey the Bible and don't look at all for impulses from the Spirit. And I guess I would say, could, could there be a third way where, and the, I believe the Scriptures do teach a third way, and, and that is, of course we obey the Scriptures, and continuously walk in obedience to the instructions of Scripture. And that is walking in the Spirit. We'll be empowered by the Spirit. and We'll use our spiritual gifts to do so. And we'll experience the fruit of the Spirit doing that. But along the way also, there will be times when we have a sense that we should do something or a sense of comfort or conviction or warning from the Lord. 
And um, and so these, when they're consistent with Scripture, should be we should pay very careful attention to those. And I think there are examples of those throughout the New Testament, where the apostles would go here, but they were hindered, or the Spirit wouldn't allow them to do that. It didn't seem right for them to do this. And so there's sort of a subjective sense of that. Jerry Bridges talks about that in his book. I don't want to fault quote him falsely, but it's a short book. It would be easy to read. And I'll go look up the name of the book and put it in the show notes here today. I just hope that you will discover for yourself the beauty of what it means to walk in the Spirit. Walk in the Spirit and you will fulfill will not fulfill the desires of the flesh. Study Romans 6. Study Romans 8. Study Galatians 5. Study Ephesians 1. Study them carefully and be tender-hearted and eager to obey and sensitive to continually obey the impulses of the Spirit or the instructions of the Spirit in the power of the Holy Spirit using the, the, the um, gifts of the Holy Spirit that you were given, and you will enjoy the fruit of the Holy Spirit in your life. And that will be an exciting life. Here's what I think. If the Christian life is not exciting for you, if it isn't really thrilling for you, you're just not doing it right. Because if you just take the New Testament and you look at the things that we're told to do and you just obey them, you're going to get yourself in trouble. You're going to get yourself in, you're going to be, it's going to get exciting. You're going to have things happen that are very exciting. You're going to things, you're going to have things happen that are very deeply fulfilling. You're going to go drill down into, you'll get up in people's business and you'll be helping them in profound ways. When a man walks with the Lord, there's nothing like it. Let me just close just past Christmas time. And let me close the podcast today with just a little reminder about a about a man who, who walked in the Spirit. And you can find his story in Acts chapter 2, around verse 20 to 44, thereabouts. And, and he, his man's name was Simeon. We think he was an old man. The Scripture doesn't specifically say but he was moved by the Spirit to go to the temple just as Jesus arrived for the purification of Mary. Jesus didn't have to be there for that, but he, they were there together. And Simeon prayed over Jesus, and he blessed God. And then Mary and Joseph wondered about that, and they were filled with wonder and awe. And then he made some really interesting cryptic remarks to Mary about Jesus, and it's like, like a sword will pierce your soul and people will be divided over Jesus. And this is, of course, a powerfully prophetic word. And then was Anna the prophetess, also walking in the spirit and fasting and prayers and staying in the temple night and day. I just gave you the high flyover of that story. But here was a man who was sensitive to the impulse of the spirit to go to the temple at just the right time. And was able to bless the Lord and to bless and to warn Mary. And this is a beautiful story. It's exemplary story. He's the man, the kind of man I want to be. A man like Simeon who says, now you can let my your servant depart in peace. He sings the Nuke Dimittis. He says the, the song, I can depart in peace now because my eyes have seen your salvation and the glory of your people, Israel. I butchered that quote. So go back and look at God's word and read that carefully because it's a beautiful thing. As a matter of fact, before we go, just to show good honor to God's word, let's just read that beautiful, beautiful incident there um, with um, with uh, uh, Simeon 
And um, as an example of what a man's what a, what it looks like when a man walks in spirit. Eight days later, when the baby was circumcised, he was named Jesus, the name given to him by the angel, even before he was conceived. And then it was time for their purification offerings. Be forty days after the birth, as required by the law of Moses, after the birth of a child. So his parents took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. The law of the Lord says if a woman's first child is a boy, he must be dedicated to the Lord. So they offered the sacrifice required in the law of the Lord, either a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. At that time, there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon. He was righteous and devout and was eagerly waiting for Messiah to come and rescue Israel. The Holy Spirit was upon him and had revealed to him that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. That day, the Spirit led him to the temple. Is that beautiful? So when Mary and Joseph came to present the baby Jesus to the Lord, as the law required, Simeon was there. He took the child in his arms and he praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace as you have promised. I've seen your salvation, which you have prepared for all people. He is a light to reveal God to the nations and the glory of your people, Israel. Jesus' parents were amazed at what was being said about him. Then Simeon blessed them, and he said to Mary, and listen to this interesting cryptic thing he said to the baby's mother, Mary, this child is destined to cause many in Israel to fall. It'll be a stumbling block. Many others to rise. He's been sent as a sign from God, but many will oppose him. As a result, the deepest thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. And a sword will pierce your very soul. He ends with that, uh, uh, that ominous um, prophecy for Mary. Quite interesting, isn't it? But here was a man who was walking in the Spirit. In the split second time, he had an impulse from the Spirit. He went to the temple. And there, perhaps on the steps leading up to the temple, he encountered Joseph and Mary and baby Jesus who had been a baby just about the age where he could start to hold his head up on his own. What a beautiful scene. Are you a spirit-filled man? Do you walk in the spirit? Do you continually obey the impulses of the spirit in the power of the Holy Spirit using the the, the uh, uh, gifts of the spirit and experience the fruit of the spirit? That should be your aspiration, it is possible. Let me pray for you. Father, I pray for me and I pray for the men who are listening that that they would be spirit-filled men, that they would learn what it is to walk in the Spirit, continually obeying the promptings or impulses of the Spirit and the instructions of the Spirit and the Word, using the gifts of the Spirit that they would experience the fruit of the Holy Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray that you give us this 